Hi, and welcome to the Essential Tennis Podcast, your place for free, expert tennis instruction that can truly help you improve your game. Welcome to episode number 388 of the Essential Tennis Podcast. Today, I'm going to be giving the terrible match play solution. One of the most common things that I hear from students in person and on the internet over the years is this idea that I play great in practice, I don't play well in matches. And today specifically, I'm going to be addressing two really common sentiments that I've been hearing more so recently, I would say. I want to address it head on because it's a it's a big problem. And so today is definitely a cautionary tale. I'm going to tell a story of a recent private student that I had and let you know exactly what happened and why. I'll give a solution to why so often tennis players play badly during matches. I'm telling this story just simply because I think it's a really good illustration of how often this happens and what the what the outcome is and what the underlying you know fundamental reason is, I think is invisible to a lot of players. So like, let's start with the 30,000 foot view. Here's the two reasons or the two sentiments that I've heard from students recently, basically verbalizing the same idea, but a little bit different way. In both cases, students are basically telling me I'm not ready for match play yet. And so maybe I'll play once in a while, but I'm kind of just working on my game because I'm not ready for real matches yet. And the two underlying reasons, the two different angles that I hear from players is either number one, my game isn't good enough yet. And so I, like, I'm developing my skills. I'm working on improving my strokes and my knowledge, my understanding and strategy and all that sort of thing. I, I just don't feel like I'm good enough yet to play a air quotes real match. So I'm just going to keep working on my game. And then the second flavor of this that I've heard from players is they'd like to play matches, but none of their opponents are good enough yet. (laughs) In other words, I'm not at the level yet where I feel like this is, again, air quotes, good tennis. And I'm going to keep pushing and developing and making my game better until... I'm happy with the type of person who's across the net for me because that's the type of person I want to play a match against when I feel like I'm good enough to play against good players. So it's kind of, you know, a variation of the the first thing, but more focused on the other person, you know, like I, so let me tell you the story. So this, this segues into the story and you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. So I had a student recently and he doesn't want to play. We were talking before going down on the court and, and he was telling me that he was taking three or four private lessons a week, which is obviously really expensive. So has some financial means to be able to do that. Frankly, most tennis players can't do that. They just don't have the financial option. But his mindset was, I'm going to keep taking three lessons, four lessons, maybe five lessons a week, rotate through different coaches because I want to get better and better and better to the point where I, I don't want to play these players with like bad habits and ugly looking strokes and they've got like annoying game styles. The, if I remember correctly, the term that he used was dinkers. Like he wanted to level out of having to play dinkers. So people that use unconventional, you know, techniques and strategies and just kind of, just kind of dink the ball over maybe with different spins, whatever you want to call that type of, of player. This person just didn't even want to have to deal with that. <laughs> so his his strategy, his mindset was, I'm just going to keep taking lessons until I'm good enough that I don't have to deal with that anymore. Now, this attitude 
just right out of the gate is very flawed because there's that type of idea of opponent at all levels of play. In fact, I opened up my laptop. If you follow Tennis Match Play on YouTube, you're probably familiar with MEP, Most Exhausting Player. He's kind of infamous on in the YouTube tennis space for having a super unconventional game, but he wins a ton at 4-5 in Atlanta. Like one of the one of the biggest most competitive tennis communities in the world. He plays at four or five, which is way stronger than most tennis players ever ever achieve in terms of level of competition. And with without really a single conventional technique or stroke in his game, he wins over and over. He always has a winning record at four or five, season after season after season. So my student was like a three five. That's what what he told me he was, and I was like, "Listen, four five is like the Grand Canyon between you know three. The gap between three five and four five is huge. It's it's hundreds of of levels, like hundreds of different things that we have to improve and develop to be competitive at four five. And even if you do that, you're still going to have to play people like this. Now it's not that most play. Now to to my students' point, just to be really you know, honest here and transparent. Are there less players like that at four or five than there are at three five? Yes. You know, as a as a percentage, you know, statistically speaking, you're gonna play less dinker, pusher, kind of style hacker, whatever you want to call it, grinder, whatever you want to call it. You're gonna on average play less of those players at four or five than three five, but you're still going to have to play them. You can't hide from unconventional play styles. You can't hide from non-pretty technique, no matter what level you are. At the professional level, have you ever seen or have you heard of Fabrice Santoro? He retired a good number of years ago now, but he was very unconventional and hung around at top levels of the game for many, many years. If you're curious, go to YouTube and just type in Santoro Tennis. He was they, uh, His nickname was The Magician. He didn't do anything conventionally and had wins against top 10 ATP players. Pretty incredible. So anyway, are there less Santoros than there are, you know, people who hit the ball big and in air quotes the way you're supposed to at professional level? Yeah, of course. But my point is you're, you can't ignore them. You can't avoid them. You can't make them go away. You're going to have to deal with that type of tennis. Now, here's the thing. Here's the bigger, here's the bigger issue that attitude is even more flawed. I mean, A, you you're, you can't get away from them, all right? That's point number one. Point number two, it's even more of a problem because of the habits it creates. Now, here's the next part of the story. The, the student and I went down to the courts and I ran through my, my standard evaluation. I hadn't worked with a student before. So I have like a 30-minute evaluation I run players through the first time I see them to get a baseline look at their forehand, their backhand, their volleys, their overhead, their serve. And I want to grab some slow motion footage of all those shots, like out of the gate and just kind of see where they are, what their habits are. And as we did that, lots of things looked really solid with this player. He was hitting with the ball machine. I had the iPad. I was grabbing my my clips and getting my analysis footage. And I could tell he'd done a lot of really good work with these coaches. I mean, nothing really jumped out at me. There were obviously I could see things like okay, like we can make some improvements here and there, but there weren't any big rough edges. I, I could tell he'd really taken it seriously to try to 
do things again in air quotes kind of the right way and overall he looked pretty comfortable and you know pretty decent rhythm and and everything was looking like it was kind of falling into place and i asked him after the initial kind of stroke evaluation hey, how are you feeling he said oh yeah i'm feeling good everything's you know pretty standard so far then we played points this is part of my standard evaluation we did like 10 minutes of point play and all of that comfort, all of that rhythm, all the consistency and like the good habits, it all completely disappeared. I mean, it just went away, like to the point where it was kind of uncomfortable for me. Like It was a little awkward. I, I was like trying to feed him easy shots and he became a completely different tennis player. And no rhythm, no consistent, no consistency. He was mis- missing the most routine, basic shots over and over again. Even when I tried to give him points, and I don't mean by like just hitting the ball in the net, like you know, I'm not going to just miss a shot on purpose and lose the. I'm not going to throw points. But what I will do, you know, as a coach, is put the ball places where I know it's a reasonable shot for my student and give them openings and see if they can convert on it and, and see if they have the ability to string a couple shots together and come up with with a, with a point. So I will totally open the door and see if my student can can convert. And this player could not do that, just continued to miss unforced error after unforced error. And we played four games and he won one point in those first four games, two on my serve, two on his serve. He and he was like, "Okay, let's play another two games. Like, I I need to like I need to warm up some more." This is after you know forty minutes of hitting tennis balls. So we played two more games, and it didn't get any better. Why? So why did this somebody who's working very hard on their tennis game, somebody who's developed some really good habits, and has developed some competency at the game of tennis, but it was like a total light switch flip. It was a total on-off switch. And with the ball machine, everything was on. And in our point play, everything was off. Why would that happen? Here's the core underlying issue. Lessons, especially normal lessons, I'm putting that again in air quotes. If you go take a normal tennis lesson from a normal tennis coach at a normal tennis club, the, the whole... The whole goal, the majority of the time, not every lesson, but the majority of the lessons being taught out there, the goal is to create a bubble for the student, a superficial environment that's like safe and comfortable because we, as a tennis coach in a normal lesson, we want the student to feel successful. We want them to feel like they're making progress. We want them to feel like they're hitting good shots and they're walking off the court having accomplished something. If you're giving a normal lesson to a normal student for 60 minutes, what you don't want is for that student to feel uncomfortable and awkward and off and like the rhythm and timing is all over the place for 60 minutes because when they walk off the court after those 60 minutes, they're not coming back again. They want to feel like they're accomplishing something. Now, if that's your only exposure, like it is for this student right now that I worked with, you know, four times a week working with tennis coaches in a normal tennis lesson environment in that nice, comfortable, safe, protective bubble, match play is literally the opposite of his normal experience on a tennis court. Instead of expertly making it comfortable in a normal situation playing against a peer on the other side, now all of a sudden the opponent 
is working really hard to make everything uncomfortable. And a good tennis coach is an absolute expert at making things comfortable on purpose. And I don't mean that the coach is never going to give you some a challenging shot. I don't mean they're never going to stretch you or push you. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is when they do stretch you, when they do push you, it's very calculated. And the goal is to make it just a little bit on the edge of comfort, to make it a little bit uncomfortable, to give the student the opportunity to feel like they're a success. And when you go play a normal match against a peer, their goal is to make every single shot as uncomfortable as humanly possible. That's the whole point. That's like the goal of competition. If you're a good tennis player, and I, I, I don't, I'm not talking about level. I'm talking about like if you win, if you win at 2-5, if you win a lot at 3-0, if you're a beginner tennis player and you win a lot, the way you do that is by pinpointing what makes your opponent uncomfortable and then making them have to do it again and exposing it, exposing them to that again and again and again and again until you win. That is the opposite of the environment that this student was used to going out every time on a tennis court and hitting with a coach who's expertly putting it either in their comfort zone or just on the very fringe like edge of their comfort zone. So this is a critical, critical lesson. And I'm sure there's some light bulbs going off out there in the audience. I have another big point to get to. So even if you're not you know, hardcore falling for, for this mistake currently that we've got more to talk about. So just stay tuned. But I wanted to really hammer home this point. And, and granted, granted, this is a pretty extreme, you know, scenario where this player is going hard in this direction, like kind of all or nothing, only doing lessons. That's not normal. But think about how you're balancing yourself. The critical lesson here is the only way to get really good at playing matches is to play a lot of matches. And I know it's tempting to think or believe that, well, if I just take if I just take a bunch more lessons, then I'll play better in matches. Lessons are for developing new skills and new habits. Deploying those new skills and new habits in real life is its own other skill. And can you technically, you know, play points against your coach and have them kind of mimic or emulate the type of play that you're going to be seeing against peers? Yes, that's possible, but that is not what most coaches are doing. Most coaches are optimizing for success in that 60 minutes on the court together. And that is very different than success against somebody who's trying to make you as uncomfortable as possible. So the only way to know what you need to to work on here. Okay, here's, sorry, let me start that again. A second point here. So point number one is the only way to get really good at the skill of playing matches is to play a lot of matches. But but here's the other part of it that's a little bit more nuanced is the only way to know for sure what you have to work on in matches is to play a lot of matches. It's one thing to have your coach like tell you, oh, I think we need to play X, Y, we need to work on X, Y, or Z. But is your coach sitting down and watching you play your matches against your peers? Are you even playing matches against your peers for your coach to even see you? Because even if your coach tries hard to like emulate your level of play, it's still not going to be the same thing. So there's a lot of professional lesson takers out there. And listen, I just want to always want to be really clear. If that's what you enjoy most about the game of tennis is that time spent with that expert figure and that 
the person that has all these like insights and stories and all these ideas and cool drills and like if if that's what you want to get out of tennis is just having that kind of relationship and experience and go for it go all in just take lessons but if that was your attitude you probably wouldn't be listening to me right now but i just want to be clear you know if that's if that's what you love about tennis and you, you don't you're not really interested in air quotes real you know competition totally fine go for it but if your goal is to master the game as deep and as wide as possible, then the sooner you can expose yourself to real life of actually duking it out against your peers, whatever level you happen to be right now, the more opportunity you're going to have to improve. Because real life tennis is unpredictable. It's messy. It's uncomfortable. It's never the same match to match. Even if you play against the same person, Every match is a little bit different. And so it's the best teacher of what gaps you need to fill. It's going to expose your weaknesses. It's going to expose the big flaws in your game. And can a coach, you know, see you play and probably do a pretty good job of guessing what they are and move you in the right direction? Yes, a good coach can do that. But it's not nearly as good of a teacher in terms of just putting it right in front of your face, like what you really need to work on is going out there and playing a real match and finding out for sure. So what about those of you who are saying, well, my game isn't good enough yet. Like, I got to work on all these skills. Uh, I'm going to answer that in just a sec. But first, I want to say thank you to Diadem. Maybe you're not familiar with Diadem. They're a relatively new racket string ball manufacturer. They're an American-owned company. This is actually the last American racket company for, for tennis. And I've been using their rackets for years now. I've been using their balls for quite some time, for several years also. And they make really high quality stuff. I personally, I use the Elevate Tour, which is a player style, kind of like a pro staff or uh, like a head prestige style of racket. But they have a full line of rackets no matter what level you are. My favorite like middle of the road racket from them that I just tried out, the brand new Elevate Lite, is super maneuverable but also has the characteristics of a player-style frame. It's a really impressive combination of maneuverability, like easy to swing, but also very solid and not super flimsy and like uber, you know, light and huge, like so many of the uh, rackets out there that players are using. So anyway, Diadem is the official sponsor of the podcast, and you can get 15% off of everything they sell, grips, strings. I, I use the Solstice Black uh, poly strings. I'm a huge fan. Uh, super clean feeling polyester string. But again, they have a full line of strings no matter what you're into. So go to diademsports.com and no matter what you need, racket strings, grips, balls, bags, apparel, if you use discount code ET15, you'll get 15% off of all your tennis needs. Again, that's ET15. That helps support the podcast. It helps Keep everything going here at Essential Tennis. So a big thank you to Diadem for their support. And thank you to you for listening and for using that code to help us out. Okay, so what about players who are saying, well, I'm not good enough for competition yet? Well, what I want you to ask yourself is, again, kind of this idea, what is your goal? What are you, what, what are you saving that experience for? What, what, what are you trying to do as somebody who's trying to become a better tennis player? 
there's competitive tennis for all levels of play, even if you're a pure beginner. So, and, and unless you live in a very, very small area that literally has no competition available at your level of play, you should get out there and do it. Like if that's the case, I understand it. But otherwise, get out there. Figure out what skills you need to build. If you're waiting until all your skills are, air quotes, good enough, you may be waiting forever. If you want to wait till you've mastered your forehand and your serve and your backhand, I'll be the first one to tell you that day is probably never going to come. You're never going to be 100% satisfied because there will always be some other thing to tweak or polish or improve on all of your different skills. You're never going to arrive and be, listen, Roger Federer was still working on his game right up to when he retired. Nadal, Djokovic, Serena Williams, Carlos Alcaraz. You think he's, he's like, oh, I'm so good. Like, that's it. I'm done. No, he's constantly working on elevating and developing different parts of his game based on what happens in his matches. And he doesn't know for sure what he needs to develop until he gets that feedback from match play. The last thing you want is to be sitting, waiting for your skills to be, air quotes, good enough and never arrive at that point and never get the benefit of the amazing experiences and lessons that you'll learn from playing real matches. You may think you know what you need to work on, but if you've never played a real match, you might actually be totally wrong. You might be 180 degrees off from what you should actually be spending your time on. So get out there and actually find out for real. Then you can optimize your time and your focus effectively. So long story short, whether you're waiting for your opponents to be good enough or you're waiting for yourself to be good enough, let me encourage you to not wait. Expose yourself to real match play. The sooner you can do that, the faster and more effectively you can improve. So hopefully this was helpful for you. Thank you so much for listening today. Remember to check out diademsports.com. Use code ET15 at checkout. Get 15% off of all your tennis needs. Thank you so much for your support. And I'll talk to you in the next episode. For more free game-improving instruction, be sure to check out EssentialTennis.com, where you'll find hundreds of video, audio, and written lessons. Also, be sure to subscribe to Essential Tennis on iTunes and YouTube, where we are the number one resource in the world, providing passionate instruction for passionate tennis players. Thank you so much for listening today. Take care, and good luck with your tennis.